Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Today is Connect Sunday. What does that mean? Well, Connect Sunday is basically a Sunday where we focus our, our sermon and everything that we're doing around Connect Groups. And there has been uh, some, some, some changes around Connect Groups um, that we're doing. We had a training night the other week, all the Connect Group leaders. Holler if you were there. Where, where's our Connect Group leaders? Put your hands up. Put your hands up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and we're doing some training and there's some cool stuff happening. Um, uh, across this city with the connect groups and we're believing that you know those little red dots on our, our, our picture of uh, where the connect groups are we're believing for many 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 more of those and I'm going to tell you why today um, but before I start anything I want to invite um, Marianne and Mayanka wherever you are um, to the stage I've got a question prepared for these people these lovely ladies about how connect group has where Mayanka you come first Okay, so I've got, I've, we've got a question for my uncle about connect groups. And this is a question, okay? How has being part of a sermon-based connect group helped you grow? Okay? How has being a part of a sermon-based connect group helped you grow? Um, so we've written a small write-up about this. So I said, growing up in Mumbai, a city where one tends to stick to the same circle of friends and remain in our comfort zone... I was never comfortable meeting new people. Uh, I've come to learn that the Bible says, love God with all your heart and soul and mind and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Definitely, this is the most powerful sentence I have come to know in the Bible because just like God didn't say love others, full stop. He said, love others as you love yourself. So questioning the love for yourself is something I probably never did or, you know, you always think of things from what can the other person do for you, what can I do for the other person in those terms, but never that, oh, my love for the other depends on how much I love myself and where does the love for myself come from, mm. right? Maybe having issues with, you know, like for me, this sentence and the fact that God says, love me as your fa I'm your father, and having maybe issues with my dad and not having that sense of identity growing up. So having received this identity first from God was the biggest learning for me. And then coming and then connect groups being, it had just happened that it happened at my house because the girl whose house we had, she moved back to Germany and mine was the best location for it. And I said, okay, this is gonna be a new experience. <laughs> You know, because earlier you had the option of, okay, I'm busy, I won't go for the connect. <laughs> and now I'm like, okay, I have to be free every Thursday. <laughs> no, but honestly, that was my initial reaction. And now all of us can't wait for this Thursday every week. We, from the messages start from Tuesday. Um, like, oh, Thursday, who, who's in, guys? What are we bringing for food? And, you know, what are we discussing? Can't wait to discuss Ryan's sermon on Sunday. We start taking our notes from our Sunday uh, sermons from Ryan. This year. Rachel, can't wait to discuss this with you on Thursday and apply it to our lives. But my point coming back to it was how my, um, the way it changed me was opening my heart to 
people who I may have never met before in a home which is not from a family of believers and my parents and my brother saying, okay, who are these people coming? <laughs> but, you know, they've been great about it and everyone now knows my mom. They see her the minute, like, we're leaving Connect and she comes home at 10.30 in the night once from her work and she, see, and she waits for the leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> to be a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, so basically uh, understanding my identity uh, in God and then helping me understand that, okay, because now I feel secure in God, that now I have the ability to love others as I love myself just because my understanding of myself has grown. And I really feel that when other when Insecurity is one of the biggest issues. I feel almost everything stems from insecurity. And God is the one who makes us feel secure. And with his security, we can do anything. <laughs> yeah, so I just want to say, and just, um, you know, um, opening my heart to everybody I hope initially also because you have to like they'll ask me oh where's the toilet or where's the thing I'm like guys I don't know don't ask me so many questions <laughs> you know but just understanding that okay there are people coming into your house you have to be responsive to them and yeah <laughs> so really really we look forward to our Thursday connects we're a group of sisters in Christ now we all open up their tears shared and we go into, like, we know each other more than we know probably our own family now. And, you know, and we see testimonies. We've seen grow, growth in everybody in this connect. And really, it's the best experience. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. So cool, man. So cool. Oh, we love my uncle. She's such a great girl. Praise God. Um, and w why don't you both come up, Rohan and Marianne? Um, and uh, so Rohan and Marianne are a part of uh, Sam and Dina's Connect group in Bandra, and Niti, uh, Sam and Dina, the leaders, Niti is the assistant and also the host for their group, and so the question we have for you guys is, uh, what has God done in your life since being a part of a sermon-based Connect group? Um, so huge shout out to Sam and Dina and Niti. Um, <laughs> So, so privileged and blessed to have them as our leaders. In fact, our, le our team is called the Best Mixed Connect. Just thought I'd, I just thought I'd drop that in the advertising. Okay, if you're <laughs> so, so for me, the journey until now for my Connect uh, begins last year. So I've been a Christian for a long time. I know all the right theology and the teaching with Connects, how fellowship is important. And even from last Sunday hearing Rachel preach about, about, about the disciples who were fast asleep. And, and could not carry on for one hour. I know all that. And, <laughs> and then I've even let connects in the past and then just grew jaded and cynical. And so that's, that was my journey until last year. And then last year, I heard a friend of ours called Victor in Bangalore preach. He was just preaching, led by the Spirit, in this huge conference. I don't know why he said this. And he said, and he said, uh, he said just two things. One is fellowship is very important. If, if relationship is a tree, then fellowship is the vital nutrient that is needed to grow that relationship. So, and those are both, both related. If you want your tree to grow big and, and healthy and strong, then you need to f you need fellowship. So that that really uh, cut uh, cut through my 
cut through my heart. And then the second thing is he said, you need to be like Jesus who, was, who had a very balanced personality, right? And he was neither an introvert or an extrovert, sorry. Uh, no no guilt, guilt intended here. This just spoke to me. This is my journey. And then he went away to spend time alone with God and then was also happy to be with the crowds. And then I was like, I, was, I used to be like, I'd rather not go for connect. I'd rather stay at home, read a book, listen to my, mu uh, my favorite music and spend time with myself. And, that, and so that was addressing that selfish, sinful attitude that I was carrying. So cut to this year, I said, I'm going to make connects non-negotiable right for myself and Marianne and so and I've been really enjoying it. I've been enjoying their leadership and and their leading uh, and enjoying this enjoying discussing the sermons and that has been really blessing my life uh, yeah like uh, Rohan said we've been part of connects for a long time uh, but what I found different about the connect we're seeing here at C3 that we've just been part of is um, just the atmosphere to be open is unbelievable. I mean, Rowan and I have shared stuff in Connect that I don't think even my family knows, you know. Um, <laughs> so really, we've become a family closer than family. <laughs> and uh, that's the joy. It brings so much healing, so much release. And um, yeah, just Sam and Dina, Neeti, you are amazing. And, uh, you know, we... We prioritize Connect now so much. I had a bunch of students that were coming in on a Tuesday. And I just told them all, hey, can we shift to Thursday? Because um, this is really important for us. <laughs> and the funny thing is, as soon as our last student who comes in from 7 to 7.30, as soon as it's 7.30, I'm like, we got to go. We got to go. <laughs> we got to go. <laughs> and, you know, just rushing in there and the warmth and the love, it's coming to a party every week you know it's really coming to <laughs> and it's um, a party of celebration of tears of hope of prayers of miracles lots of food honestly I feel that uh, I just for Rowan and me we missed fellowship for I don't know three years four years we just had nobody it was just he and me <laughs> and now all of a sudden we have such a lot of people to celebrate life with and just journey with. It's incredible. That's another response to that. Instead of the thorn bush, which was our lives, we'll grow the fur, which is a multiplication of relationships that we never thought would be possible. Yeah. yeah. Praise God. Well, that's cool, right? We could keep on going with more and more, more and more testimonies about. You want your phone back, mate, or are you giving a donation uh, about small uh, connect-based uh, sermon-based connect groups? And let me just um, put up um, a slide as to what the purpose of sermon-based connect groups are, and it's it's this, okay? To foster significant Christ-centered relationships. Guess what it's all about? To foster significant, like real, actual, not, not fake. There's a lot of fake relationships happen in church, right? You ever notice that? It's like I go to church every Sunday um, and I attend and I say hello to all of these people and how are you, but it doesn't really go much further than that. And uh, there is a big purpose in us meeting together, corporate worship. Um, I believe that there, there are things that God will do on a Sunday 
that are significant and amazing. But one of the areas that, that will be tested um, and will be really hard for any person to really, really um, to find uh, friends will be here. <laughs> because it's a big group and uh, people are busy. They come for their 90 minutes and they go home and all of that sort of stuff. But uh, sermon-based connect groups, the purpose of them is this, to foster significant Christ-centered relationships. That's what it's about. And uh, um, just keep that up for a while because it's important to get this right because um, a lot of people may think that um, uh, small groups or connect groups are for evangelism. Okay? Um, To some degree, yes, they are. Um, But I'm going to explain to you that that is not our first priority when it comes to connect groups. Um, Because if you don't have significant relationships in the connect groups, where people actually like each other, they love each other, they're laying their lives down for one another, like my anchor who, you know, has not come from a background like, um, you know, that's, that's a believing background. She's come into a group where people are laying their lives down for one another. And I'm telling you that would be a massive impact for her, enough for her to notice it. So we, it's no use having evangelism if there's no relationships in the church. I'm talking to the believers here, the old-timers who have been around for a while, who know what they're talking about when it comes to, comes to church, okay? And um, if you're not an old-timer, it's okay. Old-timer means five years plus in the Lord, okay? All right? You know, you would have seen enough um, of, of unsignificant relationships in the church. Um, we, we have, we, I have done... Uh, I've been a pastor now for a while. You know, I've been I've been pastoring this church. This is my first church plant. So that was, you know, s- six years ago. Before that, I was a youth pastor, executive pastor in my dad's church for, for years, for 12, 13 years. So um, I, I've seen church being done um, for long enough to know that if, if this isn't happening, what happens is you get a whole lot of people in, you do the big... Um, crusade type meeting where we, we have uh, you know the big healing evangelist come or we have the big um, musician come or we have the big you know prophet come or whatever it is and we say to everyone all of our friends listen you must come and see this such and such person okay now they come in and see that and they like it but then what's the what's what are they looking at really what are they really looking at who's here and uh, what are they like? And um, do they like each other? And they come the second week and, you know, they realize, oh, no one's really friends here. Uh, and, and they begin to think about, well, maybe, you know, I, I would follow this, but who would I have that would follow with me? And if there's no significant relationships, we miss completely, completely. Because people, I mean, let's, let's be honest. If you become a follower of Jesus, it does cost something. There will be those who questions, question you. There will, be, it will, there will be those who won't understand it completely. So if you don't have a good group that you're a part of to walk that journey, it's going to be really hard. And I think we're going to see in the coming years many more come to Christ because there are significant relationships more than anything else. I think we put the horse before the cart when we do the big attractive meeting with the big attractive person up the front who is able to draw a crowd and, and they come in they look and they go out the door because there's nothing to actually stick them to the church. And what sticks people to the church is relationship. And this is not just an idea. 
This is not just an idea. This is something that, uh, that, that, that Jesus himself taught his disciples. And I've got 10 minutes to show you, okay? And this is um, tied in with the, with the title, The Servant King. The reason we're tying that in is because we have this king who is our servant king. I want to ask you something. If you were king for a day, what would you do? If you were king for a day, what would you do? So, so today is um, Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the day where Jesus rode into Jerusalem on, on, a, on a donkey and, and all of the people, um, the crowd, the masses, they, they laid palms down on the road that Jesus was walking into and we gave him an earthly welcome. He got the welcome that all of us, I think, wish we could have. He, he had recognition. He had you know, he all of a sudden had this recognition and this repu- his reputation went before him, okay? He had respect, earthly respect, but, but we'll learn that it all meant nothing. It all meant nothing. We celebrate Palm Sunday because humans worshipped Jesus and our Christ as, as they should have, but his glory wasn't in that moment. We would have thought that this was his glory moment. His glory moment wasn't that. You know, it's funny, we go for, for all the glory moments in life um, without realizing that our King Jesus, who we followed, His glory was not in the moment that He rode in on a donkey. His glory was in the moment that He died on a cross for you and I as a servant. And why is that important? Because it was His death that brought about our life. It was His servanthood for you and I that brought about the possibility for even us to sit here and worship Jesus as our God and have that heard in heaven because of His sacrifice. He was a servant king. A servant king. I think if we were to say or answer the question, if I was king for a day, it wouldn't be what Jesus did. You know, Jesus walked in on, on, he went in on the donkey, and next thing he faced, um, he faced a betrayal by Judas. And then after that, Peter, whom didn't even know what he was saying, they didn't even they couldn't even stay awake when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He, his disciples just weren't getting it. This king. This king, this servant king, but yet he went ahead because he was a servant. He was a servant. And the one I want to focus in on today is is Judas. I just want to talk about this. John chapter 12, verse 1 to 6. I'll read this and then I'll explain how this is connected. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus had lived whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about half a liter of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. 
As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Help himself what was put into the money bag. Here's Jesus' treasurer from the ministry of what Jesus was doing, providing the money for the 12. As a, as a rabbi, Jesus was expected to look after his 12 disciples, so he would feed them, provide accommodation. All of those expenses were covered by the ministry of Jesus. Jesus had people that were giving towards that. Jesus had money as he was going into his ministry. Okay, And here's Judas, who was in it, for himself. Judas was in the relationship, not for Christ, but Judas was in the relationship with Christ and his disciples for himself. Judas was the center of the relationship. What Judas wanted was the center of the relationship. What Judas probably thought he needed was at the center of the relationship that Judas had with Christ and Judas had with his disciples. You know, the story of Judas is like one of the most shocking stories in the Bible. It's a horrific story because of what ends up happening. Happening, We see this moment is the moment where Jesus goes on from here in verse 7, he says, leave her alone. And Jesus rebukes Judas, and Judas gets offended. And it wasn't but a few days later that we see Judas go out and betray Jesus. Why did he betray Jesus? Because he was in it for himself. And this story of Judas is in the Bible to warn us of something. When we're in the relationship for ourselves, we will betray Jesus and we will betray His disciples. Now this runs counterintuitive to the ways of this world. When it comes to spirituality, it's about self-realization. It's about knowing the God within. It's about knowing who you are. It's all about you. But that is not what the kingdom of God is about. And this is offensive to hear. And we go, oh, what, what? hold on a second. But you are, you've got to understand, our relationship with Jesus is not about us, but about Jesus. He's not going to come in and He's not going to come in and fill your world with peace and love and hope and just this be this overflowing source without you understanding something. You've got to give up your will to Him, everything to Him. You, 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 know, you, you, can't, you can't have your cake and eat it. You either got one or the other. And a lot of people approach... This is why... I, I believe one of the reasons why I believe this to be true, because you wouldn't make up this, because it's offensive. What do you mean I have to give myself up to Him? No, I want to find myself. I want to discover myself. I want to discover who I am. But like, let me tell you something. Judas was in it for himself, and it led to betrayal. When we're in relationship for ourselves, it leads to betrayal. I mean, think about it in a marriage between two people. 
If one of those people is in it for themselves, there's going to be a problem. And usually, that's why there are problems in marriage. We've done a few counseling sessions, and you realize, by the both of them or one of them is in it for themselves, you kind of got to gently deal with that. In our relationship with Jesus, in our relationship with one another, if we are at the center, if we are at the center, it leads Maybe not to an extreme case like our friend Judas here, but it will lead to a betrayal. It will lead to a moment where people will realize, hold on a second, I haven't really got any friends in church. Because ain't nobody laying in their lives down for me. And I'm not laying my life down for anybody. Because I'm busy, you know, I've got my agenda, I've got my stuff to do, I've got my things to do, I've got, a, I've got my goals. And and little do we realize that we are building a life that stays on earth. Building a life that stays on earth and sows nothing into the kingdom. When we sow our lives into one another, when we lay our lives down for one another, we're sowing into the one thing that we will have in eternity, and that is each other. And, And the church, we get this wrong. When we go out and witness... And we go out and tell everybody about Jesus. Listen to me, if, you're not getting, if we're not getting this right, we've got nothing to bring these people to. And it's not how God has ever worked. God works inward and then outward. He does a work within and then out. Oftentimes we go, we go to the outside, we say, oh, we, we look at what God's doing. And they come in and go, well, I can see you're not getting along with that person. And I can see that there is conflict there. And I can see you don't like that person because you never talk to them. And, uh, well, it doesn't look like it's any different here than it is anywhere else. How do we foster significant Christ-centered relationships? What goes on from verse 18 of chapter 13 in John. You call me teacher, Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you have also washed one another's feet. See, I've set an example that you should do as I've done for you very truly I tell you no servant is greater than his master nor messenger greater than one who sent him now that you know these things you will be blessed if you do them I'm not referring to all of you I know those who I've chosen but this is to fulfill um, this passage of scripture he who shared my bread has turned against me I'm telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen you will believe that I am who I am Very truly, I tell you, whoever accepts anyone accepts me, and whoever accepts me accepts the one I sent. After he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him, and Simon Peter motioned to him, to his disciple, ask him which one he means, okay? Leaning back on Jesus, so uh, the one whom Jesus loved is the author of this book. He says, Lord, who is it? Okay. And Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. It's such an interesting and scary thing that Satan entered into into him. How did Satan enter into him? Offense. 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 Unforgiveness. Right? 
a bit scary. So Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do it quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him, since Judas had charge of the money. Some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. When he was gone, Jesus said, and I want you, this is a bit of a confusing statement that Jesus makes, but I'm kind of going to explain it to you. Now the Son of Man is glorified and God is glorified in Him. If God is glorified in Him, God will glorify the Son in Himself and will glorify Him at once. Now this word glorify that Jesus says like a lot in that one sentence, glorify, glorify, it's like I would, if I was there I was like, man he's saying glorify a lot, why is he saying that? That word means to display one's greatness. So what Jesus is saying is, okay, now the Son of Man will display, is displaying His greatness and God will be displaying His greatness in Him. If God has displayed His greatness in Him, God will display greatness in the Son in Himself and will display the greatness in of him at once. In other words, this is the point Jesus is making. Okay? I want you to hear this. God will display the greatness of God. Okay? God will reveal himself as great. Now, Christians, if I can say that word, I want you to listen up. If you think people are going to are going to praise God because of your greatness, you got a mistake. If you think that your righteousness is anything to stand upon to display the greatness of God, you're the only one that can see it, nobody else. I'm sorry. Because the outside, they can see your brokenness. And the problem that Christians, the mistake we make is we pretend we're all so holy and so good and all of this sort of thing, and everybody else is like, no, I can see you're broken. <laughs> and we, we, have the, we, we make so much effort to hide it. Listen, we don't need to be the ones that make the name of Jesus great. Now, here, here don't soundbite me here because I've got something to finish. We, of course we do. But we spend so much effort trying to bring glory to the name of Jesus and to the outside we forget God will glorify Himself. You know, in, in my experience, every time Jesus begins to reveal Himself to somebody and they begin, like they might come here or whatever, it's like, you know, I, I've had Sundays where I've done everything wrong. You know, I've made mistakes on the drums. I've done the biggest blew up. And, uh, you know, I've frowned too much and uh, I've preached really bad. And there'll be someone that comes to, the end, comes to me at the end of the service and just goes, I don't know, what he's, I don't know what's going on and in my heart. There's something happening in me right now. And it, and it wasn't because of my amazing apologetics in my sermons or, you know, my amazing way to crack funny jokes sometimes that aren't funny. And, and you know, it isn't, it isn't all of that. It's like I, I've had the worst Sundays, but God's been doing something in someone's heart. And let me tell you something. It's because He will glorify Himself in people's hearts. Not us. So, so then it leads to, okay, well, what's our job then? 
What's our job then? What are we supposed to be doing? And Jesus says it. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I am going, you cannot come. So he, he was going to heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit, but that's another, that's another story. And I want you to listen to this. Verse 34. A new command I give you. This is the command. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And then he takes it a step further. He says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. How is it that we are to be known? This is what Jesus is saying. What is it that the world is supposed to say about us? Look at how they love each other. I mean, just look at the way they are around each other. Look at the way. I know that Sister Sandpaper, well, she, she said something to Brother Rasp the other week and they talked about it and they applied the Bible to it and they went to the gospel. They went and, and uh, assessed their own brokenness and you know what? They're still friends. You know, if that was going to happen out in the world, I know if that was me, I wouldn't be talking to them. But they still go, yeah, they still in connect group and, and they still go to church on Sunday. But, but do we see that often? No. The unfortunate thing that happens sometimes, oh, shucks, such and such is coming. We're just oh, not going to talk to them. Our job, our job is to love one another as Christ has loved the church. And how did Christ love it? Did he just stand in heaven and say, Oh, I love them so much. Look at my beautiful little people. They're so wonderful, so small. Look, Father, they're so small. They look like ants from here. <laughs> That's not what God did. He sent his son from the riches of heaven. From the resources of heaven. I mean, I mean, we think of money as being this amazing thing here, but it's 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 a, it's not an infinite resource. Unfortunately, it runs out. Ever had your money run out? Even the richest person that walks this earth, money can run out. It's a, and we put so much thing. Here's Jesus, who, when you say had all the money in the world, literally had all the money of the world and more in terms of, well, it was eternal, it doesn't run out. He left all of that to come to this finite space to rescue you and I and laid his life down. He, he entered into the, to the body of a man and was fully man and took upon himself the punishment that was for us. Upon himself, it killed him, but he rose again because he was God and served us as our king. And then he, he calls us to one thing, guys, Lay your lives down for one another as I have laid your life, my life down for you. That way everybody will know that there is something special happening amongst your group. It's not about the big speaker on God TV, I'm telling you. It's not. They're all good. I'd like to be a big speaker on God TV one day. Great. Okay, I'll take it if it ever comes. But let me tell you something. It's not about that. The glory sits amongst the church working it out. And that's why we have small groups. That's why we have sermon-based connect groups. That's the reason. And they are sermon-based because, well, um, 
you know, we can do some studies sometimes from here and there for two reasons they're sermon-based, okay? One, to create a sermon that's okay, takes a bit of work, and we've got a church full of professionals, church full of busy people. So for us to expect you to come up with the content needed that is going to help people week by week by week by week, you need to have the time. I take about two days minimum for a sermon, okay? So if you're willing to put aside two days for your, off your work, come and let me have a talk with you and we'll train you up to, to have your own Bible studies and all of that sort of stuff. But don't, don't be thinking you just can sort of open up the Bible and just have a little Bible study. That's not how it works. This book has been translated from other languages. There's a lot that has gone into this and you need to understand it. You know, sometimes you need to even understand some of the implications of what you're talking about. You might speak about a scripture in one thing and there might be something that seems contradictory in the other. You know, so you need to know what you're talking about. All right? and, the, and the second reason why we do sermon-based connect groups is just because if we're going in the direction somewhere, we might as well go together. <laughs> so if we're talking about prayer, as we did in the last series, let's talk about prayer together and get together and discuss it and look at the scriptures that talk about prayer. It's, um, it's just, this is how we're leading. This is how we're moving forward, sermon-based connect groups. But, but it's not about the sermon, okay? It's about the Bible and it's about us laying our lives down for one another. We are the body of Christ, you and I. We're the body of Christ. What does that mean? Have you ever seen a decapitated body it's not a nice sight, okay? He is the head, he's leading it, but we're the body. Have you, you can't, and, and a lot of the time, we treat God's plans and the way he works like this head that's been detached from a body, and we separate them. As we lay our lives down for one another, the glory of God is present because the body becomes one. And this has implications. Sometimes there are going to be people that you come into groups that you don't like and it's going to be difficult and it's going to be messy. But that's okay. It'll work out. It'll work out. The last scripture is this. 1 John 3.16. A lot of people talk about John 3.16. This is 1 John 3.16. I'll finish with this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us and we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers and sisters. Let's do this first. Let's lay our lives down for each other before we go out there to the world and talk about Christ. Because if you've got nothing to bring these people to, they ain't coming. If, you, if we haven't got healthy churches happening, and what brings about healthy churches is significant relationships. We're not about you starting a group and then, you know, it growing really fast and then we're dividing it and all of that sort of stuff. We, if, if, if you have a group and it never grows beyond six people, I'm okay with that. As long as you're fostering Christ-centered relationships. There will be groups that grow. There will be connect group leaders who just, every Sunday, just meet people in church and add them to their groups and invite them along, and uh, that's awesome. That should be happening. But it's not, a comp it's, you know, it's not a competition about who can grow their group the fastest and all of that sort of stuff. Okay, it's not. What it is, is fostering significant relationships. Where when that day comes where you need 
a meal because your help didn't come and your mother-in-law's in hospital, that someone's there and they know because there's been a significant, significant relationship built. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Amen. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital, where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3 Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi.